What a great, powerful reminder that our God sits on the throne. Nothing, nothing, nothing can compare to him. Uh, Job, a great man, a godly man, uh, had to be corrected and reproved and remind us, reminded that uh, it's God who stops the ocean. And Job has no idea how that happens. We have no idea how that happens. We have no idea how the stars are upheld in the sky. Why don't they just fall down? Um, but God knows. He holds them in his hands. I mean, just think of that concept for a second. Uh, I, I used to love you know, going to the beach and there's so many different wonders when you go to the beach, so many different things happening. And, you know, you just look out there and the ocean just goes, doesn't stop. And, and, you know, I've mentioned this before and then the waves come crashing in and they stop. You know, I look behind me and it's like, well, why don't they keep going? Um, a little hiccup in the, in the water would easily just take the water into the city of LA. Um, but they don't, they stop. And yet God can hold water in his hands. You know, the next time you, you know, go in the lake or the river or ocean or take a bath or jacuzzi, whatever, try to hold the water. Um, yet this is, this is our God. And this is the truth. Um, this is not the lie. This is the truth. And it's important that we know and understand what right is and what wrong is. And that's why we're tackling this, this series because there's so much crazy out there. And the worst part is there's maybe even more crazy in here. And what I mean by that, I mean in churches. Um, but this is, this is nothing new. Yes, they lie in school and on TV and the experts lie. And we're, we're, we're naive to think that it doesn't happen in church. No, it wouldn't, nobody would lie to me in church. And yet that's what a false prophet does. That's what a false teacher does. Whether they knowingly do it or naively do it or, you know, it's, it's part of the plot and the plan, it doesn't matter. Um, and they will be held accountable. We saw a picture of that in, in Jeremiah 23. It's the Lord who will answer. Well, we want to look at Genesis 3 this morning and take a look at uh, false prophets and how false prophets really lead to, to, to false gods and false beliefs. Look, there's, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, on the, on the third chapter, or maybe that's the second or third page in your Bible, we see... Satan attacking man. The, the spiritual warfare is, is taking place in the very beginning. Um, and the tactics are, are going to be consistent from day one to now. The formula is simple. Create doubt. Create doubt. Now, now, Satan doesn't come with all this power and might. He doesn't come with with you know logic or brute force no he comes as a deceiver as a deceiver to create doubt and so shepherds show love by by helping you step out of your comfort zone 
It, it's not loving. It's not kind to tickle your ears, to just tell you the things that you want to hear. Uh, yes, we all want to be praised. We, we, you know, nobody wants to be criticized in their work and their job and whatever it is they do. But the truth is we need correction. We, we need coaching. When do we, when do we get away from the, the aspect of, I want to get better. And in order to get better, I want a mentor. I want a coach. I want somebody who's been there before me who will not tell me I'm doing everything perfectly right, I'm 15 for Pete's sakes, or 25, or 35, or 55. I can get better. I need some correction. That's a good thing. That's a great thing. But as humans, we don't like it, and we're being trained to not like it even more. Look, we've been studying. We have an aggressive enemy. The lie is, oh, no, we don't. There's no Satan. There's no demonic forces. There's no evil in the world. Yes, there is. It's all around us. And the evil, like I said, is, is deceitful. The, the, the enemy is crafty. Crafty. Listen to this verse 1 in chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, as God said that you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, Well, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die, for God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This passage begins with this this honest warning. Are, are we listening? Let me say it directly to you. The serpent, Satan, is more crafty than you, than me. That should give you some chills down your spine. You're not that smart. You're not. Um, so, Prepare yourself with not a belt for armor, but the belt of truth, right? The breastplate of prepare yourself with righteousness, with, with right understanding. Prepare yourself because the enemy is not just powerful, but crafty, so crafty. False prophets teach false ideas by definition. This isn't complex. False doctrine False teaching leads to false doctrine, leads to false beliefs, a false belief system. False beliefs will lead you down a path to worshiping false gods. That's why when you look at like Christianity and different denominations, and at what point does it become, well, not just a variance of Christianity, but a heresy of Christianity, a different doctrine of Christianity, where it's it's, it's a different God. So we must guard, like the good soldiers that we are called to be, we must guard our beliefs. We have to guard doctrine. <laughs> Key little statements matter. I mentioned last week, the devil's in the details. Look, a broken clock is right twice a day. 
And false teachers are really good at pointing out the two right times over and over and over again. And then they sneak in the other stuff. Look, just because you hear the name Jesus doesn't mean it's the same Jesus. Okay, the Islamic Jesus is very different than the Christian Jesus. A Jewish idea of Jesus is very different than a Christian idea of Jesus. Same with the Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon or dot, dot, dot. If they change who Jesus is, it's a different Jesus. It becomes a different religion. It becomes a different God. It's very, very important that we get Jesus right. What you hear all the time is, well, just as long as we all believe in Jesus. Well, which one? Which Jesus? Well, we believe in the Jesus of the scriptures. See, doctrine is ideas and beliefs that align with, not a pastor, not a person, that align with the Bible. The word of God. That, that's what biblical doctrine is. So false doctrine is going to take away from this Bible. We just won't talk about it. The Old Testament's it's dead. We, we don't need this part. Um, that's taking away. We don't need the parts that aren't read. If your Bible, you know, Jesus speaks in red. And we'll just take away all those parts. The, the Methodist idea. No, we don't take away. We don't add to it, false doctrine takes away and adds. It nullifies and contradicts what, what the traditional beliefs are. It's new. We got a new idea. Why, why is it new? If it's true, it doesn't need to change. The, the creeds don't need to change. Um, we'll talk about those later. When you start denying what Jesus teaches, when you start denying the personhood of Jesus, well, again, then you have false doctrine and the little details matter. So today we're going to look at Genesis 3 and we're going to see four ways that, that false prophets um, create doubt. False prophets create doubt and, they, and they're playing off the playbook of, of Satan. And, and first, they create doubt through deceit. Secondly, they create doubt through distortion. Third, they create doubt through denial. And then finally, they create doubt through denouncement. So the first way they create doubt, false prophets, false teachers create doubt through deceit. Verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any base of the beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Is that what God really said? This is like that, that lawyer talk, right? Repeat it, say it again. They're, they're looking for just a, a, a little detail. They're looking for a little nuance. They're looking to, to sway. Are, are you sure? They're, they're not even necessarily changing what's being said. Are you sure that God said? Did you get it right? Maybe you didn't get it right. Right? John 3.16, you know, quote it in your head. Are you sure you just quoted it right? Well, which version did you quote? Are you sure you got the right version? See, the challenge begins. Did God say, are you sure? Another way of saying, is, is that really the way it's supposed to be? That you shouldn't eat from any tree of the garden? Is that, is that really what God intended? That you don't eat from 
that tree in the garden, any tree in the garden. So they start talking a different way. They start interjecting again, adding and subtracting. And we're going to see this a little later, but new, new lingo, right? We all, we all have Christian lingo. Oh, be blessed, right? We say that and that, that's a good thing. Um, but then there's new lingo. We, we've got to have a, a new way of saying things. When you think of things like, look, church is, 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 a, is, a, is a safe place, right? Church is a safe place. We, we, we are inclusive and we want to accept everybody. Um, everybody's welcomed. Are those statements true? Ish. That's not what they mean. These are from the playbook of the modern woke agenda, which have totally different meanings than what we mean. Why is this safe? Because I'm going to tell you the truth. Well, that doesn't sound very safe. (laughs) Well, that's safe. You need to repent from your sin or you will die and go to hell. I can't get any safer than that. I'm trying to protect you from death. Well, that's not what they mean inclusive look jesus died for the world i don't care red yellow black or white what country what men women it doesn't matter jesus his death was for every sinner everybody doesn't get any more inclusive than that now can you continue in your sin that's not what jeremiah says right no shepherd you got to tell people that they got to repent and stop doing what they're doing. And, and we'll get into some of those, I mean, other things that we've kind of perverted and twisted. Um, but see, the creation of the doubt, how, did God really say this? Did God really say it that way? And there's little shifts and little adjustments. And we see that the, throughout the Old Testament, especially here's a, here's some groundwork. Here's some examples of how like little things became big things. And there's consequences to deceit. In Genesis 6, 4, we're introduced to these, this, these characters called the Nephilim, right? And who are they? They're like, what, half man, half angel. We, we don't know what they are. Um, they look like they're demon possessed people. They're called the sons of God. And it's like, well, how did that, what, what is that? Are they gods, like on the level of God? No. But there's a, a, a new thing in town. Uh, the Tower of Babel, Genesis 11, 4. Look, we want to be like God in heaven. How? By building a building that will go to heaven. And then once I build that building, well, now I'm in heaven and I'm in charge of heaven. And well, I'll do it the way I want to do it. That was part of the, the sin of the Tower of Babel. It's part of, you know what? God told us to be fruitful and multiply and to spread out. Did, did he really say that that way? Or can we come in and go up? Um, we see this in America today. All the, the cities, right? And everybody wants to get in close and live in, in skyscrapers. Um, when Eleazar goes out to, to find a, he's a servant for, for, for um Abraham and he goes out to to find a wife for his son and his prayer is is to not marry a Canaanite his instructions are you can't marry Canaanites why because of their race because of the color of their skin 
has nothing to do with it. It's because there was, in, in Deuteronomy 7.3 makes this clear, they're not to intermarry because they will take their belief system of God and shift it to another belief system, and they call that spiritual adultery. We're to be faithful and loyal to our God, the God of the scriptures, not to other, you know, belief books that say, well, we, we have a different, we have a different holy book. There's one of your first indicators that something's wrong. We believe in the Bible, but here, read this one too. And then all of a sudden this one, don't read that. Just read this one. Um, Ishmael and Esau, Ishmael and Esau were raised in the uh, Jewish system, the sacrificial system, believing in Yahweh, and you, you follow their history, and the little subtle changes essentially turns into the Islamic world. There's a reason why so many of the, is the, the Muslim traditions are very, very similar. It's because the root system comes from Abraham, and they say that themselves, Father Abraham is their father. And it's gone... A different way. Why? Because of the subtle shifts. Did God really say it this way? Do we really have to do that? Um, a new guy comes in. They believe what he says. Muhammad. We saw in Genesis 31, 19, that, that Rachel has stolen her dad Laban's idols. In Genesis, there's already this system of where did the ideas from Adam and Eve, and then coming off the ark from, from Noah and his family, how do we get to now where we have all kinds of things happening? It's because they followed different beliefs. Those different beliefs essentially turn into entirely different religions, different idols. Genesis 35, foreign gods. Gets to the point in Genesis 38 where, where the temple, a place where you offer sacrifices for sin, becomes a place where there's prostitution. That's how you're forgiven of sin. How do you get there? Very quickly. 38 chapters quickly. Then you get to Exodus and, and the, the battle of the gods, as it were, the judgments were in the plagues, in the 10 plagues, the judgments were not just judgments against Pharaoh. We're not just judgments against, you know, generally speaking, Egypt. Exodus 12, 12 makes it perfectly clear. The judgments were against Egyptian gods, fake gods. And there's a whole list of the fake gods that now this system of, 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 of new belief is, is so rampant that it's, it's infiltrated all over. And look, you can believe in as many different gods as you want. That's cool in the world. That's not cool with God. You have to believe in the Lord God Almighty. There is only one. You only believe in him. Deuteronomy 6, the great Shema. Besides him, there is no other. That's what makes the scriptures so um, unappealing to the non-believer. It's exclusive. You can't date anybody else. You're married to God. That's the picture. And so we see that the creation of doubt 
and even just challenging the little things can turn into to, to rampant beliefs very, very fast. We see this uh, in just the first chapter alone. Well, one of the things that we may say nowadays is, well, well, that's just your interpretation, right? That's just your interpretation. It's like, that's not my interpretation. That's what the Bible says. Uh, I, re I remember sitting in a, in a board meeting once with somebody and I, we, we read the passage. That's just your interpretation. It's like, it's, we read the passage. Can't be any clearer than that. Um, but that's just your view. I, I mentioned, you know, last week we were talking about uh, the chosen and, and I had a, a chance to listen to a, a couple more interviews of the, the writer of the chosen and, and his hermeneutical position, that is the, the rules of interpretation of how you uh, interpret scripture. Well, for him, one of the big rules is, well, is it plausible? So if he reads a passage or if he sees a character and then he in his creative license wants to make a movie, the question is, well, is, is that plausible? Could that have happened? If it's plausible, then he adds to the scriptures. Well, that's dangerous because Satan's crafty. And can I be tricked? Yeah, I can easily be tricked. Remember Titus 1, 10 through 11 says, <clears throat> this about false prophets or false teachers. They're, they're empty talkers. They're deceivers. And they must be silenced. That's not a good thing. It's, it's not like, oh, well, they, they kind intentions. No, they're not supposed to teach. So do we even have our antennas up at all for that? Look, I'm asking, uh, the, the challenge is for you to challenge me. I, I'm saying you may do that. You, if I say something like, like, you know what? Everybody shouldn't preach and teach. What? What? Where does that say it? Well, here, write it down. Titus 1, 10 through 11. Check me out. Um, Galatians 1, 6 through 9 says, look, there's going to be a time where, where there's going to be a distorted and different gospel. The warnings there, look, there will be a distorted and different gospel. So fast forward. 2023, there is a distorted and disturbed and, 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 and uh, different gospel that's out there. Do you guys know that? Well, what is it? Which is it? How do we distinguish it? It gives us a little clue. Even if, an, if someone comes as an angel and gives us a different gospel, if it's not the same gospel, not just, well, that's cool. It's new. No, let them be accursed. Galatians 1, 6 through 9. Look, we, we are called to be on watch. Why? Because false prophets just create a little bit of a doubt, just a little sliver. Did God say it? Are you sure? And then they start teaching wrong things that challenge God's words that creates bigger doubt that leads to, at some point, just a denouncement. Well, the second false prophet strategy is they create doubt. They create doubt. How do they create doubt? Through deception. Verse two. And the woman said, and, and the woman said to the serpent from the fruit of the trees of the garden, you may eat, 
But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touched it lest you die. Now, God never said or touch it. Very subtly, there's an addition, um, which becomes false teaching. So then the crafty serpent could then attack on that, right? If you've ever had kids, you know how that is. You go through and you give a list of eight things that, you know, they've done wrong. And maybe number 7.5 and a half was like, maybe you had a little conjecture. And what do they, you know, attach themselves to? That one. Um, well, the woman said, the woman, and, and this is attacking against women. It's just a, a, this is what happened with Eve. This is what we all do. There, there's a, 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 a distortion of the truth. And, and, and that's what creates the doubt. So they tell it a different way. You say it a different way. This is why part of our pattern should be, give me a chapter and verse. I, I'm pretty, I, I've heard that somewhere. But give me the chapter and verse so I can go back and, and get the context and read the chapter and read before and after because I know in, here in church you're, you're just citing some scriptures. But write them down and then look them up and, and do a study, right? Because we want to make sure we tell it the right way. Um, humans want to say, well, this is what I think. We don't care what you think. You shouldn't care what I think. You should only care what the Bible says, what it is, not what we think. What we think, that's a human view. So step one in our understanding is where am I at? Where am I at? When I read the Bible, when I read it and it says something very clear, it's my first impulse to say, wow, I've got to change my belief. I've got to repent. I got to follow and obey. Or is it, how do I twist this around? How do I twist this and shift it to say the opposite of what it's exactly saying? Um, I mean, there's two really clear examples that we see all the time right now. Um, one is marriage. It's like the, should we even get married or, you know, just have a good time? When should we get married? What are the rules of marriage? What, what, how do we prepare ourselves before marriage? Um, well, you know what? The Bible, even though it gives us tons of passages on, well, let's not use this. Um, what do you think? What do you think would be a, a, a better way to date? What do you think would be the better parameters of a, of a good marriage? You don't even know what a good marriage is based on. The other one is, is the issue, and we'll get into it in more detail later, but the issue of homosexuality. It's, it's just crystal clear. So why is, why is it being brought up so often in church? Because it's being brought up so often in church. But for the other way, that it's okay. How is it okay? Well, we'll have a sermon on that. But the point is that there's simple tests to see, are we really trying to create doubt through distortion, or are we just reading what's straightforward and what it's saying and then following and obeying? Here, here are some things that we, some clear warnings that Jesus warned us about, that the scriptures tell us about, about false teaching. Matthew 24, 23 through 27. They will come and attempt to deceive even God's elect. Who's going to come and deceive God's elect? Primarily Bible teachers, because that's who you listen to. Right? 
2 Peter 3, 3, scoffers will come. You're told, though, that you can spot a counterfeit. How? 2 Timothy 2.15. Make careful study. Make careful study. You hear something, it's like, I don't like the what he said. Either it just doesn't sound right. Then you make a careful study, and then you come back and say, here, I've got a chapter and a verse. Um, that doesn't seem like what you said. Let's talk. That's perfectly acceptable. Second Peter 1 through 19 through to 12 says, pay attention. There are false teachers among you who secretly introduce destructive heresies. First John 4, 1, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits. There's many false teachings. Matthew 7, 15 through 18 says they come to you. And we talked about this last week. They come as wolves in sheep's clothing. They disguise themselves. They're crafty. How do we identify? Well, Matthew 16, 15 through 16 says, look at what they say about Jesus. What do they say about Jesus? First Corinthians 15, one through four. Do they pervert the gospel? Do they change the gospel? The gospel has new meaning and a new pathway and because if that changes well then the red flags should go up matthew 7 19 through 23 says there's there's consequences for misleading teaching jeremiah 23 we read that earlier there's consequences to the shepherd james 3 1 warns that's why we we don't have many become teachers why because satan masquerades as an angel of light did i say that correctly satan masquerades as an angel of light second corinthians eleven fourteen. so be on guard be on guard he doesn't come here as a dragon breathing fire with that crazy voice you need to listen to me that's not how he comes he comes ruggedly handsome in a coat and a tie well he makes do it took you a while to get that it's beware of the nice guy in the coat and tie Watch them. Um, they're not ministers of righteousness. They're counterfeits. How do you know they're counterfeits? Watch their words of what they say. What are they asking you for? More money, more money, more money? Well, you would think that that would be an easy one. Then why are stadiums filled with people that go and listen every week? I, that one still boggles the mind. But false prophets create doubt. They, they God tells us this is what they're going to do. You know that this is the strategy. So what's your defense of, of how, if, if, if you know that the, the, the deer in your backyard are, are seeking to eat you alive, would you do anything to prevent the deer from coming in your backyard? Instead of going, oh, look at them. Let's put a salt lake out there. No, you wouldn't do that. This is the armor of God that you're supposed to be wearing. Well, the third element of false prophets that we see in Genesis 3 is they create doubt through denial. They create doubt through denial. Verse 4, and the serpent said to the one, surely you will not die. No, 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 that's not going to happen. 
God's not right. Curse, he doesn't say it like that because he's crafty, right? He's crafty. He's very crafty. If they teach a different truth in a subtle way. It should be simple. The Bible says no, don't do it. The Bible says yes, do it. Then why do we struggle and race and fight and grind and read books that they're like, well, this is what the Bible says, but it's wrong. We need to do it this way, a new way. Um, you're, you're not going to die. He, God, God loves. God's a God of love. He doesn't want anybody to die. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. Nobody's going to hell. Oh, whoa, see how we did that? That's what they do. And so, well, because nobody's going to hell, because God loves everybody. God loves the whole world. He gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him. Well, okay, we'll leave that part out. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, and, and Jesus died for everybody. So we'll talk about that. Jesus died for everybody. All sins covered. Everybody's going to heaven. We're not going to talk about hell. We're not going to talk about sin. We're not going to talk about any of that stuff. It's a false gospel. It's a half truth. A half truth is a whole lie. Surely you will not. It's, it's false teaching. Look, a, a prophet is supposed to be the mouthpiece of God. All he's supposed to do is, is, he, is he takes the baton. He takes God's word and he, and he brings it to the people. And, and because he studies it and he brings context and it's like, look, we, we've studied the whole Bible. I know this is a complicated verse. Let me explain it. Let me bring some context. Let, let me bring in the full picture. So I'll study. I'll look at it and, and bring it to you in a, in a TV dinner package, right? Um, but it's God's word. It's God's information, not man's own heart and mind. Remember in Jeremiah 23, he says, look, they don't listen. These guys don't listen. It's their own mind, their own visions, not from the mouth of the Lord. This is God warning the people. This isn't from the mouth of the Lord. This is from their own minds. Jeremiah 23, 21 goes on to say, I didn't send them. Well, then how are they there? They went on their own. How are they pastors? How are they preachers? How are they radio broadcasters? How do they write books? They're on their own. God didn't send them. Yet they prophesy, yet they do it. Um, look, God gave us um, a pretty good test. It's called the smell test, right? Um, Deuteronomy 18. If, if a prophet who's foretelling the future is wrong, then we stone him. Now, if we had that in rule today, there'd be a lot less people that would go on the news and say, this is the way it is because there would be a consequence. When there's no consequence, then you can do whatever you want. You can flip-flop. Um, so I'm going to have an example. Of a, and, you know, I'm not saying what side I'm on. or you know. But what if there was a, a, a scientist or a doctor? And they're both, actually. He's both. And, and, and so he's on record of saying, you know, okay, here's this you know, pandemic and People are dying. That's a serious thing. People are dying. We want to know what's going on. That's serious. How are they dying? Um, and so 
the expert says, well, and there's a track record. Well, masks isn't the issue. And then later on, everybody has to be in masks. And then later on, well, masks aren't the issue. And the proof of that is look around. Masks are not mandated. How, so, well, which one is it? Flip flopper? Whatever way it is, you're not right. You should be stoned. Um, well, what about vaccines? Look, if you get a vaccine, you will not get it. And be good to your neighbor. They won't get it either um, until that's proven wrong. Well, vaccines that were really weren't intended for that. You should have known before that. You, all you need to do is take this and you won't get it and neither will anybody else. Okay, I'll do it. Well, now you need this too. Well, and this one and, well, I thought you said this. You weren't right here. Um, well, one minute, look, this is not from a lab. Okay, maybe it's from a lab. Okay, it's from a lab. Again, I'm not judging or taking a side, I should say. All I'm saying is, should you trust this guy? Um, one minute, you know what? The best thing we can do to protect ourselves is let's close schools because that'll protect everybody. Well, no, that's not really essential. Do we have a, a virus and a pandemic right now today? Yes. Listen, if we don't want to be insensitive, I'm not trying to be insensitive. Please don't take my sarcasm as being insensitive. It's a horrible thing that anyone would, would die. But the way they've gone about this has not given us any clear indication of, of what's up or down. They've created more confusion. They have. By flip-flopping and going back and forth. One minute you, you can't be around people. Well, I mean, unless you have a mask, you could be in a little tube, in a tube, a closed tube flying in the air, and you have to wear a mask every second, well, unless you're eating peanuts. <laughs> then you don't need a mask. So what's the truth? What's the truth? The truth is, at this point, we don't know the truth. We know certain people are dying and that's terrible. Is the issue more about co comorbidities? And is the issue more about age? Is the issue, you know, have to do with other things? Because then let's focus our attention there and actually stop it and do the right thing rather than focus over here and you're blowing into the wind. But see, prophets are supposed to do that. Prophets are supposed to tell us how to protect ourselves from evil, from Satan, from hell, from death. This is serious stuff that a preacher does. It's not a game. It's not a joke. If you're wrong, you lead people down the wrong path and either they end up on a really wrong path and end up in hell anyway, even though they're well-intentioned, or they get so confused and disillusioned with religion and all the arguments and discussions and books that they're, ah, what's to believe? Isn't that prim our, our primary issue in America today is not a complete denial or lack of Jesus. It's an ambivalence of, uh, which one? Uh, which way? Uh. 
They don't, they don't know. We're right where we were, are with COVID. We don't know exactly. Why? Because the teachers, the false prophets, have heard us and led us astray. But you know what? You guys can protect yourself. That's what's cool. You have the word. You have the scriptures. You can find churches where they are teaching from the Bible. They are trying to protect you. Because that's the mandate. When you create doubt by denying things like, did God really say this? Does the Bible really teach against women preachers? Does the Bible really teach against premarital sex? Does the Bible really teach? And the challenges begin, right? That's not what he really meant. That was, he said that a long time ago because some contextualization of culture. No, he said that because he knows what's best. He knows what's best. Well, finally, the false prophet creates doubt through, ultimately, through denouncement. That's the whole, the, the whole goal, the whole plan is, you know, jab, 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 knockout blow. So it's these little jabs, little, little, little jabs, you know. Did God really say jab, you know? Well, let's say it a different way. The woman said jab. You know, well, surely you're not going to die. Jab. You know what? You'll be like God. Boom! There is no God. You're God. That's the statement. Oh, I kind of like that. I can be like God. Look it. If, if there are many, many gods, then there isn't God. So we can attack God, or we can just we we can just infiltrate it with with a cloud of confusion. Let's just bring in more gods. Let's just bring in more ideas. We call it polytheism, right? And so the idea here that we see early, early on, verse five: For God knows. Here's Satan, the crafty one. Look, 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 look. You're not gonna die. That's just not true. This is what's true. Let me rearrange God's truth for you. Let me help you out here. The truth is, if you eat from it, then by disobeying God's word, you have now made yourself autonomous. You've made yourself the rule maker. You've made yourself like God. Correct. But it's, 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 it's a lie on a whole because there is only one God. You knowing good and evil, you being able to rebel against God does not make you God. It makes you delusional. But you think you're like God. That's the whole, you know, the, I, I love the, the atheists, you know. There's no God. I know there's not no, any God. Who said that? Me. So you are all knowing and everything. So you're God that knows everything. Again, they don't say it like that. That's why we have to be on, on our toes. We have to be sharp. The whole point then is, and, and we see this in the beginning of, of Exodus 20 with, with the Ten Commandments, there are no other gods. Well, if you're Satan, the strategy is, well, all I have to do is slip in. I don't need to just imagine if everybody in this room had a different belief system. I don't, Satan doesn't need you all on team Satan. He just needs you not on God's team. 
by being on other teams, you're on team Satan. It's the great big giant umbrella that brings in everybody. This is what we see throughout the Old Testament with the, the false gods that are all over the place. We, we see the, the, the Baal gods, right? They were usually the gods of the Canaanites, and they were the gods that would help them with their crops and fertility and storms. See the goddesses of the Asherah in 1 Kings 14, 23, the mother of God. She's the mother of gods, right? So you, you, know, you see the, the creation of, oh, let's, let's create this cute little culture of gods, kind of like the Greeks and the Romans did. You know, you've got like God's city and their family and they, they hang out together. The, the Moabites or Moab, the Philistine God was, was their chief God. And in Babylon, they worship things like astrology, the sun, the moon, and the stars and the cults of Egypt. And we talk about some of those, but you know, Isis and Osiris and, and the kings themselves, the Pharaoh themselves were man gods. And then again, we've, we've had the Greek religions, the Roman religions, and just a, a total creation of all kinds of gods. And the Greek and the Roman gods in particular would take humans and, and make gods look like humans. Why? Because we can relate to that. We can relate to a jealous God. We, we can relate to that. We can relate to a, a sinful God. So they had gods who broke their rules too. Um, that were passionate and angry. So their gods were really just personified people. Well, this is how we get heresies. You want to be like God? Create your own rule system. Create your own religion. Create your own denomination. That makes you a little G God, right? That makes you a God when you're the creator of a new cult. The creator of a new, and that's what, another thing you see, like these different religions, and it's like, and they're founded by, mm -hmm. huh, that's interesting. I, I, I thought God was God. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was some guy that came along thousands of years later, by the way. Well, what happened before him? Um, I got questions. But see, now we, again, we, we go back into that kind of that new lingo. Um, well, you know, Jesus, Jesus was just a good guy. Does, does he have to be the God man? Cause the God man is, that's hard to the understanding and believing in the Trinity, the triune Godhead, the father, son, the Holy spirit, right? Now we're talking Christianity 101. Like you have to believe in that. That's who God is. Uh, can I just hedge that a little bit? Jesus was just a good guy. He did good things. Look, I believe in the Bible. Well, most of the Bible. I mean, some of the Bible, the parts that I like. You take the Bible too literally. Well, which part is untrue, O oh, sovereign one that holds the water in your hands and knows when the sea stops? You tell me which parts. Because um, the Bible declares itself to be all truthful. Um, well, look, you can't tell me that good people don't go to heaven. Good people have to go to heaven. I know good people. I have family that were good people. That's what makes it hard to get your arms wrapped around. Let me, as the good shepherd, help you guys out. You're not good people and neither am I. 
We're sinners saved by grace. It's not about good. That has no bearing on this. By definition, because we're not good, because we sin and broken God's law, we need atonement for our sin. That's the rescue. We, we, we need Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. Because there's a lot of deception out there. There's a lot of untruths. But mostly because we're just sinners. Ask the person you love the most. Am I perfect? And then back up. <laughs> You're not that good. Well, you got people running around. You know, become a Christian today because you know what? You'll prosper. Jesus wants the, your best life. Well, you may suffer for the rest of your life, but you have an eternity in heaven. I'll guarantee you that. But this life on earth might be rough. Why? Because you hang out with a lot of sinners. And these are the good people. Go out there and it gets even crazier. We live in a fallen world. It's going to be rough. It wasn't easy for Jesus. He didn't exactly have a, you know, unicorn and birthday party life. Neither did his disciples. Nobody who followed him had an easy way of it. And God tells us over and over and over again that we will suffer. I don't know why we're listening to people that say we won't. That's again, just match it up with scripture. God reveals himself through many faiths because he's all powerful. He can do that. Well, he could. That's true. But that would totally contradict what he says in the Bible. Again, the great Shema, Deuteronomy 6. I am the Lord, your God. Besides me, there is no other. Now I'm going to deceive everybody and have every path come back to me. That's not what he says. In fact, throughout the Old Testament, you see challenge after challenge after battle after battle against foreign, fake, false gods. Why? If they all just lead back to, 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 to heaven anyway. That's a lie from the pit of hell. The cool thing is, again, Acts 20, 27, we, we don't have any excuse. We have the whole council scripture that not only warns us to be on alert, but also gives us direction. It doesn't just say, hey, be careful. The big bad wolf's out there. Okay, have a nice day. It says, oh, and this is what he looks like. And this is what he sounds like. And this is what's going to happen. And this is how you can guard yourself. The, the scripture gives us a ready defense. But, but we have to, like the Bereans, study it. It has to be a part of our, of our soul, of our being. That's why we, Psalm 1, we meditate on it day and night. So when the storm comes, we will be like that tree that's firmly planted, not weakly planted, not flimsy, strong. Part of that is we don't listen to the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Where do we do those things? Where do we listen to sinners, scoffers, mockers, and wicked? Where? All over the place. You got to scale it down. You got to meditate on God's word. You can't read God's word for five minutes a week and listen to all the other people for 50 hours a week. That's not going to work. You're just going to like fish, just follow the bait. That's what bait is, right? It looks good. It looks sweet. It looks amazing. 
I wish I could talk to fish. It's like, man, you should see this. It's amazing. It looks cool. And there's, you know, there's this other fish in the corner. You guys are crazy. That's fake. Yeah, but it flutters. It sparkles. It's like, remember Jack? Yeah, he gone. He, he, yeah, we, and here's the thing. We, we laugh about it. We, we, we laugh about the, the deception. Look, more and more, I'm reminded. I'm personally reminded as a shepherd. I'm a bad shepherd if I don't warn you. And I don't deserve to be a shepherd if I don't warn you. I want you guys to understand that. Because it does not give me any satisfaction at all to look at other religions or people or, or sinful activities. That doesn't give me pleasure at all. It would be so much easier to just tickle your ears and tell you the nice things. That would be me hating you. That would be me leading you astray. That would be a shepherd just literally taking his flock to the slaughter. And so we're not going to do that. If you have questions about some of the things that, that we addressed in the, in the upcoming months, please come and talk to me and ask me. I'm going to try as best I can to, to remind everybody um, that, that how much God loves sinners, how much we love sinners, how, how serious this is, how compassionate we are. Please don't mistake our, our, our discipline for a lack of love. We're modeling God. God disciplines those he loves. Sometimes we need a spanking. Sometimes we need to be woken up. And sometimes we just, you know what? We don't get it. And so we're going to be blunt. We're going to be direct. But that is in love and hopefully always in a, a gentle spirit. Let's pray. Lord.